everyone. I want to this Mother's Day give a special shout out to my mom uh, and to my grandma Amaji.、Uh, I am very grateful for both of you, and I also want to give a shout out to all the mother figures in my life who have made me the man I am today. Happy Mother's Day to you all. Well. Today I need to start with a story. So in high school, I found myself a part of a musical production, but I had kind of a silly, weird role. Basically, in this musical, I would wait. I was I would be crouching in this box, and I would wait till a certain note was played, and then I'd pop out of the box and I would recite my line. Like I said, a little bit of a crazy role. So as I was in the musical, I'm crouched down in this box and I'm waiting for the note to arrive. And finally, the note arrives. And so I push up on the box and I'm ready to recite my line. The only problem is that the box won't move. So I pushed again and I pushed again, and the box wouldn't budge. Now I have a healthy fear of the dark, and I have a healthy fear of being buried alive. And at this moment, both those fears were activated. So I started to feel around in the corner of the box, trying to figure out where is the roof of this box, and I started to yell, "Help! Help! 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 Help!" But no one was listening to me in the musical, and so I figured, you know what? I'm a strong high school student. I can punch my way out of this box, and so I wound up and I punched the roof as hard as I could, and I heard a crack and I felt the roof tear away. But the only problem was that it was still dark, and what was on top of the box was this metal. Beam, and I couldn't get the metal beam to move, and so I kept punching up and up and up, and I kept punching the metal box and said, "Help! Help! 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 Get me out!" But nothing was happening. So I pushed up at the box, I pushed at the sides, I punched again, "Help! Get me out of this situation!" All of a sudden, my brother ran into the room and turned the light on, and my eyes slowly adjusted to the light. My parents also came, and they showed up. And what they saw was a sight to behold. You see, I was standing on my bed, and I had my fist through the basement ceiling, and I was pounding on the air duct, saying, "Help! Help! Help! Get me out!" I was dreaming. There was no musical. I was just punching a hole in the ceiling in the basement. Now my parents asked me, "Ashish, Ashish, are you all right?" Because I was punching the air duct, so the sound was reverberating through the whole house.、They、asked me, "Ashish, are you all right?" And I looked at them. I looked at my bed. I like dusted off the bed, and I looked up and said, "Yep," and I fell back asleep. But they were up. They were so terrified. Now, if the past couple of years have taught us anything, it is that in this world we will encounter brokenness, and sometimes we go through painful seasons where it feels like internally we're punching an air duct, saying, "Help! Help! Help! Get me out!" But on the outside, it's as if we're dusting off our bed and saying, "I'm fine," and returning back to normal. We struggle to be honest when we're experiencing pain. Now, a large part of that is our culture in the Midwest teaches us to numb ourselves instead of process our pain. But even outside of that culture, there are barriers between us being honest with our pain with God and with others. When we did the interactive service at the beginning of the series, these were some of the barriers that you mentioned. You got to give us some of the barriers that you thought came in between you being honest with God and honest with each other. These were some of the barriers you mentioned. We don't know how to articulate what we're feeling. We hate sitting with the uncomfortable feelings and emotions that come up when we're dealing with pain or suffering. We stuff pain down because we've shared our emotions and experience of trauma with others, and we've been rejected or dismissed.
we hide our feelings because we've been crying help and it feels like God hasn't answered our prayers. Now, as we conclude our series on the Psalms, I want to look at God's invitation to be honest with our pain and confusion, to express our emotions and feelings, to bring our questions and find a God who gives us hope. Now, being honest with God and with each other about our pain is important, and we see this modeled in David's writing of Psalm 22. But before we dive into that, let's pray. Father, as we tackle this tough topic of being honest with our pain, Jesus, I just pray that you would meet us uh, in just a new and fresh way this morning. Lord, as we read your word, would your word come alive? Holy Spirit, would you draw us closer to your presence? Jesus, I pray that at the end of this conversation, we realize that we can be honest with you about our pain and we can be honest and realize that you are God who gives us hope in the midst of that pain. And so, Jesus, would you give me wisdom? Would you guide our time together this morning? We love you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. So our passage today is in Psalm 22. You can turn to that in your Bibles or you can go to your app and turn to Psalm 22. And if you don't have access to that, we'll have the verse on the screen so you don't have to worry about it. So Psalm 22, it's in the beginning of Psalms. Now, this psalm was written by David and is considered a lament psalm. Maybe you're familiar with the concept of lament. At Mill City, we've engaged in this practice of lament through prayer, through our Good Friday service this past year where we got to lament the things in this world. We also have engaged in it through the practice of confession. But if you're unfamiliar with this term, I think a simple description of lament in terms of worship is the practice of being honest and holding on to hope. The practice of being honest and holding on to hope. In lament, we're honest with our sin, and we hold on to the hope that we have a God who forgives us. In lament, we can be honest with our frustration and hold on to the hope that we have a God of justice. In lament, we can be honest with our pain and hold on to the hope that we have a God who is our healer, a God who is with us. As we look at this psalm this morning, these two invitations to be honest and to hold on to hope are present throughout this passage. So keeping that in mind, let's dive in. So let's open to Psalm 22. Now, in the beginning of this passage, in some of your Bibles, you might have a note that says, for the director of music to the tune of the doe of the morning, a psalm of David. Now, we don't exactly know what this melody is, but what this seems to indicate was that lament was to be a part of the worship liturgy for the people of Israel. The psalm was and is for anyone who feels alone and abandoned by God, wrestling in the midst of a painful season. What David reminds us is as much as exuberant joy is a part of worship, these stories of processing grief, loss, and trauma have their place in worship as well. And worshiping through lament helps us be honest and points us to hope. Lament has an important part and role in worship. So the psalm was written for the director of music to the tune of the Doe of the Morning, a psalm of David. David begins, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer, by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One, you are the one Israel praises, and you, our ancestors, put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. 
To you they cried out and were saved, and you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since God delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help me. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him, for dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn. He has done it. And as I mentioned earlier, there are two invitations present in this psalm. They are the invitation to be honest and the invitation to hold on to hope. And these invitations actually occur three times throughout the psalm. So we're going to look at each of these sections. The first pair is seen in verses 1 through 5. David starts in verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night and am not silent. This is David responding to God's invitation to be honest. Two things worth noticing. First, who is David crying out to? It's not to an unknown God. David is crying out saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This lament is based on relationship. David is not crying out to a deity who could care less, but he's clinging to a God who loves him. And this relationship provides the space for David to process what he's going through. This verse also might sound familiar because another individual uses this lament in the Bible. Do you know who it is? 
You can either type in on Facebook or YouTube. Even kids, I'd love it if you could guess. Do you know who else uses this lament in Scripture? That's right, Jesus. In the Gospel of Matthew, we see Jesus on the cross quoting the psalm, stepping into the honesty and declaring, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We see in God not only one who loves us, but one who stepped down into our suffering and models what it looks like to be honest in that suffering. Second, in times of pain, it's easy to ask, why is this happening? That question shifts the focus to our past. What could I have done differently? Did I do anything wrong? Yet even though David is asking why, I think his question is more of a where. Where are you, God? In my hour of need, it feels like you've gone missing. Maybe this is a question you are asking. Where are you? Where are you in the midst of my heartbreak? Where are you in the midst of me losing my job? Where are you in the midst of the city that is grieving? Where are you in the midst of COVID-19 devastating India? Where are you, God? What we see in these first two verses is that relationship brings us to the feet of Jesus, where we find a God who wants to process this pain with us. All the emotions, all the feelings, all the questions, all the doubts. God is not ashamed of us. God is not overwhelmed by our thoughts. God loves us deeply. Lament doesn't help us explain why trouble happens, but it encourages us to fix our eyes on the one who can provide hope within this trouble. So David starts off being honest with his pain before God. But the next verses are David's first invitation to hold on to hope. It goes on saying, Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. And you, our fathers, put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried out to you and were saved. And you, they trusted and were not disappointed. This was a callback to the ultimate story of Israel's redemption. How God heard the cries of his people enslaved in Egypt and rescued them. Verses 1 through 5 show David being honest, saying, God, I feel forsaken. I feel overwhelmed. Where are you, God? I'm crying out. Yet David also sees this invitation to hold on to hope. God, you are in control. God, you are my deliverer. You've been faithful in the past, and I know you are faithful even now. So we have this invitation to be honest and this invitation to hold on to hope. The next invitation to be honest is found in verses 6 through 8. David cries out, But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Now, I have never been at the point where I've wanted to call myself a worm. But what is clear in this passage is David is using this term to indicate how he is feeling utterly rejected. He is feeling utterly abandoned, and he's not just alone, but he's ridiculed and persecuted. One translation says in verse 8 that those who are teasing him say, let's see how much God delights in him. These people are asking David to doubt God's love, to doubt the fact that God delights in him. In times of pain, when it feels like the world is falling apart, it's natural to doubt God's love. Yet this invitation to be honest is again followed by an invitation to hope. David says in verse 9, Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you even at my mother's breast. 
From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. This picture in verse 9 depicts God actually as a midwife, present at the hour where David was most vulnerable, where David was most at risk when David was being born. The invitation to hold on to hope here is to remember that God loves David deeply, that God nurtured him from the beginning, and to remember that even now, God is with David. David is not abandoned. Maybe that's a hope that you need to hold on to as well. If you were to write down your honest thoughts, you feel like you've been rejected. You feel like you're all alone. And that's really tough and overwhelming and heavy. Yet God has not left you. You might not be able to see God at work, but he's still there, holding you, with you. We sang about this this morning, no less God within the shadows, no less faithful when the night leads us astray. The hope we hold on to is that even though our situation is changing, we serve a God who is constant, a God who is present, a God who is with us and will never leave us even when we feel like we're abandoned. This is the hope that David holds on to, and this is the hope that we're invited into this morning as well. So David is honest about feeling forsaken and overwhelmed and clings to a God who is enthroned and who can deliver him. David is honest about feeling rejected and holds on to the hope that God loves him and hasn't left him. And finally, we come to David's final confession of honesty in this chapter. It begins in verse 11, and this is kind of a long section, but see if you can relate to some of the things that David is being honest about. David writes, Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help me. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions tearing their prey open, their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me, a band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast law for my clothing. David is honest about his fear. It's as if these strong animals are surrounding him, ready to attack him at any moment. David is honest about feeling overwhelmed with the emotions of pain and grief. His strength is gone. He feels like he's being poured out like water. He has been laid in the dust of death. Or another way to describe that is he feels like he is at death's doorstep. That is the deep pain that David is going through right now and trying to be honest about. Even what little he has is being ripped away from him by people and circumstances around him. In the end, he is left as a shadow of what he once was. Now what stands out to me in this section is the temptation to feel shame. Shame at his brokenness. Shame at his situation. I didn't mention it above, but this was one of the biggest barriers that you all said uh, was a barrier to being honest with God and with each other. The barrier of shame. We live in an age of social media where us being able to curate perfect images on TikTok, Instagram, or Facebook. So when life throws a curveball at us, it can feel easy to feel shame. We look around and see everyone else is perfect, but my life is falling apart. My life is broken. That what happened to me has ruined me beyond repair. That I'm too broken to even be used by God. I've felt these feelings before. That God won't accept me in the mess that I'm in. 
Yet here is the most beautiful verse of this whole chapter, and this is the hope that we can hold on to. I want to switch to the message translation just for this portion of scripture, and it starts on verse 22. Here's the message translation. It says, here's the story I'll tell my friends when they come to worship, and punctuate it with hallelujahs. Shout hallelujah, you God worshipers. Give glory, you sons of Jacob. Adore him, you daughters of Israel. And, and this is my favorite part. He has never let you down. Never looked the other way when you were being kicked around. He has never wandered off to do his own thing. God has been right there listening. Just listen to that one more time. He has never let you down. Never looked the other way. He has never wandered off to do his own thing. God has been right there listening. The hope that David holds on to is that God has not turned his face in shame, but is instead right by David's side, listening. I remember during a time of pain in my own life where it felt like my whole life was falling apart. I felt like I was sitting in this tension of knowing that God would provide and also feeling these intense feelings of grief and pain and loss. And I found myself journaling and praying, and, and in that moment of journaling and praying, I got a picture. Now, this normally doesn't happen for me, but in the season of pain, it opened me up to experience God in a new way. And that was a beautiful thing to experience in that pain. And so as I'm journaling, I, I get this picture, and in this picture, I see my bed. And this is not the same bed that I punched the hole in the ceiling with, but I, I see my bed. And on my bed, I'm kneeling down, and I, I'm just crouched over, and I'm weeping. And as I'm weeping and weeping and weeping, I start to feel that someone else is there. And so I look up and what I see are two eyes. And in those eyes, I don't see frustration. I don't see disappointment. I don't see confusion. But in those two eyes, I saw tears. And in that moment, I realized this was God. God wasn't ashamed of my brokenness. God wasn't disappointed at the season that I was in, but God was crying with me. God was right there listening to my prayers. It's almost like God pulled up a chair and with a box of Kleenex and had his hand over my shoulder and said, I'm here, I'm with you. What is the hope that we can hold on to? It's that God is right there listening to us, that God is not far off. We see this beautifully pictured in the life of Jesus. Jesus heard our cries as we were enslaved by sin and death. And he stepped down into our suffering. Psalm 22 talks about what Jesus experienced in that suffering. He was rejected. His strength was sapped. And on the cross, he cried a prayer of lament that was common to everyone who was wrestling with brokenness in this world. He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yet in Jesus, not only do we see honesty, but we see hope. As Paul says in the New Testament, we don't grieve as those without hope. No, we have hope. We remember that Jesus entered into the suffering of this world, but we also celebrate the fact that Jesus rose again. And in his resurrection, he conquered death, bringing healing by his love. Not only can he heal what is broken now, but we know that one day Jesus will come back and heal all things, restore all things. He will wipe away every tear from every eye. And one day we'll gather with all God's people. And like the end of the psalm, we'll gather and we'll proclaim, He has done it. So in God being with us, we know that we're, we can be honest with a God who has the power to heal. 
the power to provide, the power to restore what was broken. And this provision leads us to tell the story of what God has done, to punctuate it with hallelujahs. Not only is there an invitation and lament to be honest and share stories of pain, but there's an invitation to remind each other of the hope we have as we share stories of ways God has showed up in the midst of our pain. We serve a God who is with us, a God who's not far off, and that's the hope that we can cling to and the hope we remember as we journey through this process of lament. So as we walk through this passage, where do you see yourself? Maybe you're in a place where you're crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you? Maybe you're in a season of deep pain, grief, or trauma, where it feels like you are being poured out, where you don't have the strength left. Maybe you are watching a loved one or a neighbor go through this season of pain. Now, if you're in the first category, I I don't want to pretend to know what you're going through. But what I do know is that God invites us to be honest with our pain and hold on to hope. We do this through the practice of lament. Most of this lament psalm is David being honest about his pain. Maybe a step for you this week or even this afternoon is to write out a lament. To to bring your pain before the Lord and use this form that we find in Psalms to just be honest about your pain. Now you might be thinking, Ashish, I, I am no writer. I cannot write a psalm. But writing a lament is actually really simple and really healing. And so I have three questions that I'm going to list out and they'll be on the screen. But if you have a piece of paper, I'd encourage you to write down these questions and let these questions guide you as you write your lament. So here's the first question. What is my circumstance? What is your circumstance? What are the emotions? What are the things that you're feeling? What are you going through right now? Start by writing that out. I know for me this week, I had to move two houses. And it feels like I I told this to someone that it feels like I've been running since April now. I feel like I'm running on ice. There's nothing that I am able to get traction on. I feel exhausted. And so when I'm writing my lament, I write out, Lord, I'm exhausted. I moved everywhere. My life seems like it's in shambles. This this is where I am. So what is your circumstance? Write a couple things about what your circumstance is. Second question, what's my request to God? So you start with what is your circumstance and what is my request to God? Now, David has four requests in Psalm 22. He says, help me, deliver me, rescue me, save me. Help me, deliver me, rescue me, save me. Maybe those are your requests. Maybe your request is, Lord, give me strength. Maybe you echo the Lord's prayer and say, give me my daily bread, Lord. That is my request. What is your request of God? Jesus, heal me. Jesus, provide. What what is your request? So what is your circumstance? What's your request? And then the last question, what is unchanging about God that I can hold on to? Throughout the psalm, we see that David presents his circumstance. He presents his request, but throughout the psalm, he remembers who God is, that God is his deliverer, that God is in control, that God is with him. What, is, what are the unchanging characteristics of God that you can hold on to? So maybe this week, take some time to write your own lament. And if you feel comfortable, present that request to God and find out what your experience is. Share that experience with others. This was my experience of bringing my lament to God, and this is how God spoke to me. I'd love to hear those stories if you're willing.
So if you're in a season of pain, take the time to write that lament. And for those who are watching others go through a painful season, one application could be to follow God's example and sit with those who are grieving. And not just sit there, but listen. As you're listening, don't minimize their story. Don't be quick to over-spiritualize what's happening. It might be messy, but just sit there and listen. As you're doing that, ask the Holy Spirit, what can I be doing in this moment? And let the Spirit guide that time. Let the Spirit guide your questions. As a church, uh, globally, sometimes it's hard to hold the stories of those in pain. We're quick to minimize that, quick to rush past and get to the hallelujahs. But what we don't realize is there is a story that comes before that punctuation of hallelujah. And as a church, how are we receiving those stories? How are we sitting with those who are grieving? Because that's where God is. So if you're not going through a season of pain, how can you be alongside and sitting with those who are grieving? Through this series, we've seen that in the desert or the valleys of Baca, God is our strength. In the anxiety, God is our peace. In our pride, God gives us identity and offers forgiveness. And in the pain, the hope we can hold on to is God is our healer and that God is with us. Being honest brings us to a posture of clinging to a God who is not only enthroned, but a God who is with us and upholds us. Being honest opens us up to the healing and restoration that only God can bring. Now, every week we celebrate communion. We remember that Jesus entered our suffering. We see that on the cross. My God, my God, why are you forsaking me? But in communion, we also remember that Jesus rose again, that he defeated death. And in defeating death, he offers a way for us to be in relationship with him. He offers a way for us to experience his healing and his provision. And he offers us the hope to remember that while things might be messy right now, one day God will come back and make the wrong things right. So the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and said, this is my body given for you. And he took the cup and said, this is my blood shed for you. Whenever you eat the bread and drink, would you remember what I've done? Remember what I'll do. This morning, Mill City, would you remember that we can be honest with God about our pain and we can hold on to the hope that God brings? So do you take communion this morning? This next song says, Jesus, what a savior, what a brother, what a friend, lifter of the lowly. God, you meet us where I am. Would you hold on to that this week, that you have a God who meets you, a God who you can be honest with, a God who is our hope. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are, and I thank you that you are a God who meets us. I thank you that you are a God who is with us in the pain, a God who invites us to be honest. And Jesus, for those who are feeling forsaken this morning, for those who are feeling rejected and alone, feel like they're at the end of their strength, Jesus, I pray that you would meet them in a sweet way this morning. I pray that you would wrap them in your arms. I pray that you would cover them in your peace. Lord, and I pray that you would remind them in a tangible way this morning that you are with them, that you see them, and that you are grieving with them. And Lord, I also pray that you would remind them of the hope that you bring. Jesus, for those of us who maybe are watching loved ones or neighbors going through a painful season, would you give us the courage to step close? Would you give us wisdom, Holy Spirit, to know when to speak and when to listen? 
And Holy Spirit, would you create Mill City into a place where people who are experiencing pain and trauma can feel safe, can feel seen, can know that their stories are part of this grand story that you're creating, Jesus, and can be pointed to the hope that you bring that one day you will come back and make all the wrong things right. So we hold on to that this morning, Jesus. We love you. In your name I pray.